0: Hello
1: and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Conor Guerra. Marler, today is a big, big day. The nation asked for it, and by golly, we have got it. Maction is back.
0: I am irrationally excited about Maction, and I don't care how it sounds. I said to Allie on the way home yesterday uh, from South Carolina from voting, and... um, Man, man, oh, man, oh, man. I, she did not have the same enthusiasm for it as I did. Mm. But I am... All six... All Like, our all 12 teams are playing. Six games tonight.
1: By the time people are listening to this, they will have experienced a full night of maxion. Yeah. And I can only assume that people are going to be hungover because yeah. a, a full night... A Wednesday night full of an entire conference playing football. This is like one of those ideas that just gets kind of thrown out there on Twitter or something like that, or like blow up the system when we do these like crazy realignment stories or something like that, we come up with this and that's, what's so great about the Mac is they went out and they actually did it. Yeah. I agree. They, they granted all of our possible 2020 wishes.
0: Well, I don't know. That's a lot. I would say, um, I mean, but yeah, girl, you look good when you back that Mac up. I, I will also say, I wish if there was one thing we could improve on this, maybe what if they did it like, like the first day of of March Madness, and it's like, hey, by the way, st- like like staggered twenty minute <laughs> like kickoff times and just run with it, because it's like now what they're doing is like six o'clock, one channel, six o'clock. I think they're doing it like six, seven and eight, or or maybe something, or maybe six six seven thirty. I don't know. i will look it up, but it's like, I, I wish that if, I swear to God, if I turn on the TV at any point tonight, and there's a commercial, and when there should be a football game, I'm going to lose it.
1: It's, we're going to get Mac After Dark. Or we. By the time people will be listening to this, I think they will have stayed up for Mac After Dark. That's yeah. going to be a thing as well. So, blessed are we, the people who get football in the middle of the week now. We've got a lot to talk about. Even though we only have four games at the SEC, which I hate even saying, but yeah. the good news is... We have a certain cocktail party that's being played in Jacksonville. We're going to preview all of the games this week with our picks and our over unders. Our good buddy Chris Doring joined us. Just recorded a great interview with him. So definitely stay tuned for that. But Marler, before we get to everything, and I mean everything, because we even have Bagman edition of Fourth and Wrong. I'm rebranding it from Mailbag edition oh, to Bagman. Oh, that's good. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but before we get to all of those things,
0: we got a new sponsor. We do um and it's it's uh a, one i'm pretty excited about and you know here's the thing i love when we can all get along and we have multiple sponsors and and we have we have a sponsor for an it's another gambling sponsor which i love I can't it's say like it enough. they've
1: just they've just reached out and said hey uncle chris what, what what sponsors do you want? Let's make sure that we get all gambling sites yeah. and hot sauce, and we'll we'll be good to go from there.
0: And not all gambling sites, but just the good ones. And this is what we hmm. have finally gotten with the good ones. We have fan wait fans everywhere, like fans everywhere. Go ahead, and 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 just rejoice because FanDuel, FanDuel has now got on board. Uh, with not just SDS, but also the legalized gambling in Tennessee. I'm not. I'm not living in Tennessee right now, Connor, but I damn sure might move there. And here's why: legalized sports betting is now live in the state of Tennessee. Uh, there's been a lot of pretty good, some of pretty aggressive promotions by sportsbooks to get people to join. It's been absolutely amazing. And for this week, FanDuel is going to let you bet on that Tennessee Arkansas game with 25 to 1 odds. 25 to 1. You know what that means, Connor? You've to Tennessee win. It's free money. It's five dollars to win one hundred and twenty-five dollars. You get to keep the money if they win, while only risking five bucks. That's pretty sweet. That's a pretty good deal. If you're new, you want to try it out. It's completely legal, which is a big, big go-to for a lot of these sites. Um, and, and let me just tell you, from an experienced gambler, you want to be with a site that's legal. I love this. I love this whole setup. Uh, it is, it is a fantastic deal. And again, completely legal. Go to SaturdayDownSouth.com slash FD for the promotion. Again, that is SaturdayDownSouth.com slash FD. Obviously, the letter's FD for Duel. And, you know, I'm not going to say it right now because we don't have enough bleep buttons, but it's a fantastic deal, okay? That's, that's, what, the, that's what the F&D stands for. This promotion is only for this week and this week only and for new users that are signing up. So, again, take advantage of this incredible, unique opportunity and bet on the Vols.
1: We're going to talk about the Vols in a minute. We are. We will. I promise. And we're, we're actually going to have some positive things to say about the Vols. Well, minute, you are. I believe. Yeah, that's fine. Um, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Let's talk cocktail party. Okay. I don't have a cocktail in hand. I feel like I should. Can we do that? I have, I have a confession. I have okay. a confession. I think this is my favorite rivalry in college football right now. Why? Three consecutive years, both teams in the top ten. That is fantastic. That yeah. is something that I, I think that we as college football fans, you know, we can look around and we see great rivalries in this sport. And, you know, you could go to Oklahoma, Texas, and obviously the Iron Bowl or Bama LSU. And, you know, you could look across the country at some of these great rivalries. But three consecutive years of top 10 matchups is fantastic Mm -hmm. for the neutral observer that is looking for competitive rivalry and not not looking at something like Michigan Ohio State which is just the most one-sided rivalry I don't know if you can call it a rivalry anymore I think this in the Egg Bowl are like one and one and also Lane Kiffin versus SEC officiating that's also my one of my favorite rivalries. yeah
0: Twitter versus uh oh boy uh, versus rational uh, and logical opinions. I, these are all great rivalries. Marlar versus rivals. Mike Equipment is yeah, a good rivalry. Yeah, Marler versus technology is a big one, a big one. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I, this is going to be fantastic. It should be a lot of fun. Um, I don't, you know, we'll talk about the picks here in a second, but it is a fantastic rivalry. I, as I said, I, I'll say it later in, um, in the interview. We have a CD, and I'll say it again here now. One of my favorite things about this rivalry is that one of the fan bases has to shut up on Twitter because, I mean, there's not a more over-the-top, hated i mean just spewing vitriol hate for each other than florida georgia
1: it's the best it is the best nope. in that department i i don't think it's close unfortunately richard count not going to be playing in this that game uh,
0: oh, and jordan davis
1: jordan davis the star nose tackle uh defensive tackle julian rochester who is more of a rotational guy for them um, not going to be playing in this game. Still waiting to hear about starting safety Lewisine. Um, they he hasn't been ruled out yet officially, but you know, not great. Uh, great though to hear that Richard LeCount out of intensive care was in the hospital for for three days. Glad it's not worse. I always get get really really freaked out with the, the motorcycle stuff. I mean, my I, have you ever read Jay Williams' book and heard about like his whole motorcycle deal? The ESPN analyst who is. Uh-huh. You know, former Duke you basketball act, you star. you
0: stop that question. It uh, read, read the book. So. Yeah, good point.
1: Uh, but just some of that stuff with
0: motorcycles is just, it just
1: freaks me out with with the injuries and stuff that you yeah. can go through. So glad to hear that Richard LeCount is is doing all right and hopefully going to be able to, to make a, a full recovery and back to playing football and doing what he does really, really well at a high level really, really soon. Um, so UGA being without as many as four defensive starters against this Florida defense, you know – It's almost unfair to say that LeCount and Davis are average starters because they're not. They're just not. We talked about that with Jordan Davis in the top 25 SEC players, Mm -hmm. defensive players that we did um, coming into this year. we, We said, you know, what he does to create havoc for that defense is just kind of at the foundation of it, right? Yeah. And there are a few defensive players in all of college football who are more valuable than Richard LeCount and what he can do to capitalize on those mistakes. And he was looking really good this year as well especially
0: with this kind of attack
1: yeah and and you you know this Georgia defense I think as much as we praise the depth you have to at least talk about that because Mm -hmm. those are not your typical typical losses it'd be different if it was just one of these guys or something like that but man it, it feels like that has to be part of this conversation for how we how we evaluate this
0: game well yeah the injuries are always something we should talk about Connor I can't say it enough. How many times do I have to effing say it? I mean, just like a lot, a lot. And I think everyone would agree with that. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I think this is um, this one of those games where, like, you know, you hate to see injuries in general. You hate to see it in a game like this. Cause it's like, God, I want more than anything. I, I want both these teams to be fully healthy. Yep. You know, remember at the beginning of the year we talked about there's a couple of rumors coming out that like Ohio State, Michigan might get moved to a game one of the season, like week one, right? and and you kind of wish that maybe that was the case here a, a little bit just because it's like man like i would love to see both these teams fully healthy and, and they talked a lot about like how how and uh, me ta- me talked uh, wow me talked about it i talked about me it talked especially about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just to <sound> like kevin <laughs> from that episode of the office um anyway uh i talked about it a lot too but you talked about the georgia defense versus bama's offense and and maybe that wasn't as good of a matchup as we we thought it might be and but like this defense versus this offense, and these two teams are a little bit more, I think, equal. If that makes sense, and I'm not saying in a derogatory way, but I just think they're a little bit more on the same playing field uh, with each other. I would have loved to see this game with both teams fully healthy.
1: I would have too. I definitely would have. The good news is that for Florida fans, Kadarius Tony is healthy and 2020. I've been on a real Kadarius, big Tony, Kadarius
0: Tony kick lately. I just
1: I I think that some of the things that he's doing are just not normal at all and. Shameless plug, of course, wrote something about why he is different than any Florida player that Georgia has had to defend since Percy Harvin. And he doesn't like the Percy Harvin comparisons, and I realize that yeah. they're obvious t- to make. But, you know, you can even go back and look at the numbers, and it's all there. I mean, Florida has just six touchdowns of 30-plus yards against Georgia in the last 11 matchups. So that's post Percy Harvin at Florida. Yeah. 6 touchdowns of 30 plus yards and only one in the last four cocktail parties since Kirby Smart has like been the head coach thing? at Georgia. I looked it up because Georgia's had I think Georgia's had like 9 or something during that stretch. Yeah. But you think of all these, you know, these different skill players who have come through Florida in the 2010s and just none have really been the game breaker quite like Tony. Now, I mean, Jeff Demps is is one of yeah. those guys, but you could look you could go back and you can look at the um, amount of scrimmage touches it per touchdown, right? Mm. And that's something that yeah. right now, Tony <laughs> is at 4.2. And these other guys, if you look over the course of history, like Harvin's best, I think was like 6.3 or something during that 2008 season when he was just, I mean, phenomenal. And And so, you know, I think that that's part of this. And it's part yeah. of why offense has been so difficult to come by for this Florida team against Georgia, where, you know, we're talking about a Florida offense that, you know, in their last 11 cocktail parties post Harbin, they've averaged 21.3 points per game. and the last five years, they haven't hit 25, 25 points. Yeah, It's been five years since that's happened.
0: So, And I, I admittedly wanted to give you crap on this when I saw your headline in the article because I was like, okay, Amari Cooper – uh jamar florida chase player. it's florida a boring like, when you player. say florida players and and whether like i know there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna like argue the point of okay well that's because florida's offense hasn't been that great but i think that what you said is true i think it's, it's a really good point like since since percy harvin we haven't seen anything like this and i get the comp especially i also get why he hates the comp. like percy harvin benched over 400 pounds like he was a freak of nature i don't think kandari yes. Sony could do that that doesn't matter they're both electric on the field and the stat that you brought up you brought it up i think for multiple weeks the 4.2 yep touches per touchdown that is an insane set now what i'll say is well, like he's also been on the field for the past two cocktail parties they haven't used him effectively um so i wonder how that changes this year because it's obviously been way more a part of the game plan and in, in 2020 uh as we've already seen so he's different yeah. when you he is different and so and i think one one example to talk about this is people like david pollock bringing up the fact that waddles out for the year it's going to change the entire dynamic of the offense right when you have two guys like this, it's like it's hard enough to defend Kyle Pitts. It's hard yep. enough to defend Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith. When you have to defend both of them, it's really difficult. And we saw Georgia and their secondary, when they were fully healthy, struggle at times with that. So how does the secondary now try to defend Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Toney?
1: And not at full strength as well. Right. By the way, that one touchdown of 30-plus yards in the last four cocktail parties, it was that dime. I mean, just a dime. That Felipe Franks threw to Freddie Swain in 2018. Mm. That was right after, right after halftime. It was the only time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. I mean, he's had he's had he's had a few. He had the one against uh, Tennessee, which we're going we'll to talk a little George bit more movie, about. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Tony, by the way, has three touchdowns of 30 plus yards in four games this year. Yeah. That's why the, That's the game breaker comp. What is what is UGA going to do though on its offensive for its offensive game plan? Regardless of who's starting at quarterback, who comes in and plays at quarterback, if a change is going to be made, they gotta feed Zamir White. I have to think, I have to think, yes, I think they're gonna open it up a little bit more than they did against Kentucky. They have to. That's not saying very much. I get that. But the goal for this Georgia offense, knowing what Florida's strength is, it's being able to keep that Florida offense off the field. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to see if you can wear down that defense. Who before that Mizzou game had allowed 164 rushing yards per game? Yeah. Last year, DeAndre Swift in the cocktail party. You know, we had kind of talked about DeAndre Swift's usage throughout his throughout his career, and like he wasn't ever that high volume guy that kind of some thought he was going to develop into. He had a career high of 25 carries in this game last mm-hmm. year, and he only averaged you know three and a half yards a carry, something like that. Zamir White last last week has a career high with 26 carries he had a career high in rushing yards as well. I have to think that that's a, that's a little bit of a test to say, hey, can we, can we put this on you? Your guys yeah. obviously had two major knee surgeries, and you haven't necessarily had to be that just yet this year. But now, given what we know about this team, if there's James Cook is asked to do more at the receiver position, maybe Kenny McIntosh, if he's playing or if he's not playing, he's not at 100%. George Pickens maybe not at 100%. The pass-catching options, not necessarily there. The quarterback situation, you don't want a 5'11 quarterback throwing the ball 40 times a game against his Florida yep. defense. Everything suggests that Samir White is going to be able to have a very big impact on this game.
0: I went on and on and on on Sunday telling you why it was so stupid that, Florida, or I mean that Georgia didn't go out there and try to throw the ball on Kentucky. And somebody brought up to me on Twitter a couple of days later, and they're like, well, Chris, this is a great episode, and I just also want to let you know how stupid you are, because these were not exact words, and I wish I remember who, who actually said this, but he brought the point, he was like, they, had, they they effectively ran the ball against Kentucky because they were trying to figure out how to get the run game going, because that's how they think they're going to be, beat Florida, and that, I, I think you could be onto something, I, I think that could be completely, completely true. We've seen in the past, we've seen in the past where one of these teams <laughs> has been able to to completely take out the passing game. And I'm talking about that 2014 Florida game where they attempted six total passes, uh, completing three of them, and still had like, they had like 406 yards rushing or something like that. Six turnovers? No, Georgia had one Oh, Oh, that,
1: that's not the turnover game. That's
0: not the turnover yeah, game. That, My bad. We were, the, I, I remember doing the, 2004, we did the 2014 season. This was one of the reasons we decided to do it for a year. That's right. My bad. Because I was like, dude, do you have to look at this, this box score. Because I was like, it had to be a bunch of turnovers. It wasn't. Um, anyway, does that, mean, uh, does that mean that that is the key to victory for Georgia in this game? It might. It might. Because I, I think that everyone who has two eyeballs or four like me and you is going to sit here and say that, Stetson Bennett isn't going to go win you a football game. Like, I I just, I don't think he is. And so maybe Kirby's still trying to find the right balance of, all right, is, is, sorry, Munkin, we brought you on board to change up this offense, but maybe we do go back to that 2017 season as 69% of the play calls are run, which is, yeah, which is our our play calls are run games or running plays. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Maybe Kirby is smarter than we all thought. Um, I, I think the biggest question for me. And this is, you know, maybe this is uh, short-sighted, but I th- I think the biggest question for me for who wins this game is still, can Georgia's defense slow down Florida's offense?
1: What was the biggest criticism of Georgia after the Bama game? What was the biggest thing that we said? They can't win in the Man. second half. Yeah, I mean, but, but specifically in the second half where – all of a sudden, Georgia starts deviating from what was working in the first half. And they, they really had that ground game rolling. And it looked like Bama kind of couldn't stop that. But then they Georgia fell for the trap. And they got into this track meet where they see Bama making these big plays. Mm-hmm. And they feel like they got to get them all back immediately. And it's this this impatience when I, I think that you have to be able to look at that and say, look, we, we are not going to win this game if we get into a track meet with Florida. Florida is... At this point, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. There's just, no doubt about it who that favors.
0: I, I just had the 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 picture in my head of Stetson Bennett in like a wrestling singlet slash like track uniform trying to sprint and I just I was cracking up. Sneaky fast, sneaky fast. He's I white. would say. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why I, th- I think
1: that the Georgia is going to lean on the run. Is it yeah. might be boring and cliche, but and trust the run. That's th- there's going to be. I think there's going to be a key moment in this game where if maybe if Florida goes up a touchdown or two touchdowns. What does Georgia then turn around and do? Does Georgia Georgia say, "Hey, we need to start matching what they're doing, try and get some of these mm-hmm. big chunk plays, and get this all back"? Or do they say, "No, we're going to trust that Zamir White and James Cook, that combination, that one-two punch is going to work for us, and we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot if we put this all on Stetson Bennett"?
0: Now, and I will say this: Can Georgia put two halves together? I hate the whole tale of yeah. two halves type thing, but like we saw, we saw in the first half of the Bama game. I remember texting friends that that were. You know, like like saying, "Hey, this is exactly what the start of a dynasty looks like." Like this is like, and I, and I meant it at the time. Okay, I really did because I was I like, "Texted friends." I texted, I texted <laughs> friends saying, "Like, hey, listen, like people I trusted," um, that like you know, I don't know why you think it's so funny, but but so I was like, I was I was telling them I was like, you know, Georgia coming out and having all these creative plays. The play where they go get Milton or who was it Was it was it Cook on one on one coverage on the linebacker on, on the the right side I forgot yeah, who it was in yeah. coverage but it was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life but like that kind of stuff they game planned so well in the first half and took a lead in the halftime right the scripted it,
1: plays were really good in yeah Well, and, and they
0: did yeah it's a, yeah exactly and they they were they were dominant most of the second quarter and they came out in the second half with a lead yeah and and they, they weren't able to hold on to it if you're Georgia call me crazy here are you more excited or less excited like are you more confident as a fan Going into the half in this game specifically, and this is—I'm not trying to make a a joke about the the Bama blunders. I'm talking. I'm I'm being very serious here. Are you more or less confident in your team coming out of the second half if you're ahead or behind in this matchup?
1: I mean, it's got to be ahead in this matchup. In this matchup. Interesting. It it depends. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the. Well, that's what I'm saying is that you can overthink this as well.
2: Oh, you I could overthink will. this yeah, and, absolutely
1: yeah <laughs> if you overthink this and get to the point where you're like hey even though Zamir White is averaging 6 yards of carry in the first half and he's running in between the tackles like a man possessed we're going to start throwing the ball a lot mm-hmm. and all it takes is one batted pass at the line of scrimmage against a 5'11 quarterback i feel bad that i keep saying that about Stetson Bennett when i'm 5'9 on my best day with my best pair of shoes on Connor, but you can
0: only be one height so you're not i mean Uh
1: that's not true that's not true um it fluctuates five, it's, it ten in my book thank you i've never ever tried to declare that but i'm glad that you did your words are mine
0: real quick you know that just just for fun you know how women always get upset about that it's like they want like a guide over six feet my ex used to show you how toxic that relationship was i used to jokingly say that I was only five eleven and three quarters instead of six one just to piss her <laughs> off. <laughs> and i married a woman who's five ten and a half and yeah. is two inches
1: taller than me Fair and i'm enough. perfectly okay with that yeah, good. but that's that's the thing with stetson bennett is that Do they want to put him in those spots? Are they gonna try and get to this point where they're like, yeah, you know what? We don't necessarily feel like we need to reinvent the wheel with this offense, and we can be relatively basic and we're gonna try and still say, head on hat, old fashioned, whatever, this is what we feel like is going to keep this Florida offense off the field.
0: Yeah. All right. We're not gonna make our right now, right?
1: No, we're gonna save our pick for the end here. We're gonna talk about the other three games in the SEC picks, over unders, all that stuff. Let's start with AM, South Carolina. Last I checked, do you want to get those spreads? Do you have the spreads up from our friends at FanDuel? Do they have spreads
0: up right now? I so I don't have them in front of me. I mean I have, That's okay. I have spreads up, but I still I'm I'm live betting okay. the election, so That's I don't fine. have that up yet.
1: That's fine. That's fine. The last spread I saw, and this is subject to change, so we'll just we'll we'll have these spreads in here for a hypothetical purpose, but AM minus 10 against South Carolina. I actually guessed this. On the dot. I said and it's go. gotta be a double digit road dog or road favorite. I said AM minus ten. You guessed AM minus twelve. What did I say before half.
0: that? I said I wanted to say nine and a half, but you yep. said ten. But yeah, I was, I, you nailed it spot on.
1: The over-under I have AM sacks taken. I set it at 1.5. Why did I set it at 1.5, you Tell ask? Me. Kellen Mon took 65 sacks in the last two years. He has only taken two sacks this year and both happened in the season opener against vandy and south carolina on the other hand is averaging two sacks a game the old something's gotta give mantra oh, man that's a lot
0: you taking the over on that um i'll take the over because colin hill's not athletic enough to get away from a pass rush
1: no 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 a no. and m sacks taken
0: oh taken i'm taking the under I'm taking the under all day. I, I My bad, I, I misunderstood that. I, I'm still taking the under though, because this, this A&M offensive line has been incredible all season. I don't see that changing.
1: Very, very good. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the key in this one. South Carolina was at its best against Auburn when it rushed Bo Nix, and Bo Nix looked mm-hmm. like a chicken with his head cut off running around trying to find anything that was open. Or when that secondary can force the coverage sacks, like when you have somebody like JC Horn who's locked in on the you know, opposing team's best receiver, and you know you can't go through your progressions like that. The danger is that coverage sacks against AM turn into Kellen Mond runs. And yep. that is what I think makes this offense a little bit more diverse, a little bit tougher to stop for 60 minutes. My question is, how does South Carolina adjust during the bye week? We saw, and I don't know if you, I shouldn't say we, I saw. Maybe you saw as well. Um, the Luke Doty rumors that were floating around that were quickly <laughs> debunked so by Will Muschamp. Um, I even though I even though I get it, the frustration with Doty and what happened against LSU was was rough. I don't know that Luke Doty's the answer to beat A and No, but when, I, just, I
0: think that yeah.
1: Second best run defense in the SEC, the Aggies currently have right now. You have to be able to throw the ball against this team and try and take advantage of a very up and down secondary to have a chance. And I think Colin Hill's still your best guy to do that.
0: I don't. I just don't. I, I think we. What we've Hill seen. Out of Colin Hill Sinky. It's it's literally like we're at the point of the season where we have seen what Colin Hill is capable of. Colin Hill is is is, is Kellen Mond, like like he, he is. Colin Hill is freshman to sophomore version of Kellerman, or maybe twenty twenty nineteen Kellerman. Like not as mobile,
1: not as mobile. He's at not all. as
0: mobile at all. But you're talking about okay, we we have seen him do what, twelve of twenty two, sixteen of twenty six. It, it's it, like for even her, numbers, even <laughs> numbers. Yeah, for like. He is—he's not going to complete over 65% of his passes. He's not going to throw for over 250 yards. He's damn sure not going to throw for 300 yards. He's not going to do anything to beat a team. He's just not like the Auburn game that they, they—they won. They won that game because of Kevin Harris, in my opinion, and J.C. Horn. Colin Hill is a, is a serviceable quarterback. Fine. He is—he is perfect for. If 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 Will Muschamp had a defense that was able to shut teams out and hold them to less than twenty points a game consistently and 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 go out there and dominate, then yeah, fine. Pull the pull the Kirby Smart thing and start your your quarterback, whatever. But like, I don't think I just don't think at this point in the season he gives them the best chance to win. I just don't.
1: This Ryan Halinsky thing is just kind of weird. Why are we hearing rumors about Ryan Halinsky? Is he not grasping the offense? I I trust. I, and maybe I shouldn't trust Will Muschamp when it comes to anything quarterback related, but right. I tend to trust what coaches are saying and how they're evaluating quarterbacks in practice. And it'd be different if we have, if we had seen a bunch of game reps from Ryan Halinski in this offense. Right. But that that situation is just just kind of strange that it's been is, yeah. so dismissed. So something to keep in in the back of your mind, especially if this one gets ugly. As for my pick. I, I'm sipping the A and M Kool Aid right now. Um, I know the the November stuff. The Aggies are six and twelve against the SEC in November. Post uh, yeah. Manzel, post Manzel, South Carolina needs to be able to force quarterbacks into mistakes, and Kellen Mond's not making those mistakes this year. So right. I'm gonna I'm gonna take A to cover a ten point spread, and trust that. Yes, they've struggled on the road in the past. I think this a and team is just a little bit different.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can see that. Um, they're better. That whole notion I've brought up several times of how different they are on the at home and on the road is a little bit different this year. I think um, this matchup won't expose that as much as maybe you would say Auburn might on the road. Um, going back to the sacks thing, I'm definitely taking the under on that. I just want to point that out again, <laughs> because AM's and given up two sacks all season. I just don't think they're going to give it up against this team. Uh, I, I'm going to take, I'm going to take, take the under. I'm sorry, I'm going to take under. I'm going to take Carolina to cover because 10 points is a lot um, in a series that I don't know. It, I mean, it hasn't necessarily been like super close, but I, I'm pretty sure. It's, it's, when's the last time South Carolina beat A&M? Oh, that's a good question. I'll um, look it up he- right now.
1: Did they beat them in 2018? No?
0: I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it's 2013. It, it might not even be that. Um, hold on. We're looking it up, guys. Sorry. Should have done this beforehand. I, I just I, I, I wonder like you have you have Carolina coming off a bot. Yeah, they've never beaten them. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> they've never beaten them. Gosh. that. Whoa, wow. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So in, in the games, you know, they, they have been close at times. Um, but not not a lot. Uh, the closest game you have here, 2018, is a three point three point win by A and um, i am I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Carolina to cover, but I just I just wonder I wonder like coming off the bye week if anything is really truly going to change for four quarters of football because I could easily see this this South Carolina team coming out hungry coming out you know with their hair on fire whatever you want to say in the first half I just have a hard time thinking that a coach of, of Will Muschamp's caliber is going to outcoach Jimbo Fisher with the with the, the divide like. Just the difference in talent for four straight quarters.
1: Game of the week in the SEC. Vandy, Mississippi State.
0: Jesus Christ. They should be playing this entire thing in inmate uniforms or just like beige burlap sacks because it's going to be so depressing.
1: We were way off. On yeah. <laughs> way off. I guess Mississippi State minus seven and a half. You guys Mississippi State minus six. Mississippi State is a 19 and a half point favorite last that night. That line's
0: gone up. What? It opened at 16, and it's, gone, it's been bet up to 19 and a half. Wow. And I
1: know Vandy is dealing with some suspensions as well. They just lost a, a running back and another defensive player, I believe. But, man, that is uh, that is not great um, no, not. in terms of where, where Vandy is as a program. The over-under that I have right now is people watching this game, and I set the over-under <laughs> – at 141. How did I settle on 141, you ask? 141 is the number of combined total points for these teams this year. Each team has surpassed 14 points one time. One time! That's bad. That's real bad. I made the comparison. I have these two really good buddies who live on the east coast. I did an internship with them at the Baseball Hall of Fame with them back in 2012 just after I graduated college and the program was was 10 weeks. So I've only seen them in person twice in the last 8 years, but we text all the time. They're they've been in my keeper yeah. of fantasy football league for the last 8 years. Oh, so you know it's real. Oh, you know it's real. Uh, when we see each other, though, it's always you know bear hugs and, and good times, yeah. and we just kind of pick up right where we left off, and it's kind of forgetting about the grind of everyday life, and you just kind of loosen up, and you kind of forget about you know all the stuff that's going on in your life in the world, whatever. Yeah, that should be Mike Leach and Derek Mason when they see each other, because the grind of this SEC schedule that has just chewed them up and spit them out. They should be like long lost buddies. Like, man, yeah. am I glad to see you? It yeah, has no. been. It, it feels like it has just been so long, and we need we have some catching up to do. We, we should do this again next weekend. We don't get to see each other yeah. enough.
0: Yeah, this is a um, you know, and I hope they don't. I'll be honest. I hope they don't because that would be a nightmare for all other parties involved. Because or if be it awful. does, it, it gets to be called the Cheez It Bowl every time. Yeah. That is true. Um, and I think, again, the Cheesy Bowl is still too high for either one of these programs. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that this will be uh, – it'll, it'll be a game. I'll watch a Pac-12 uh, game over I watch this. And I know that I, I, my entire career is based off of SEC football, but I'm letting you know right now. I, w- I will watch name, – name the conferences, Connor, and I'll tell you which games I would not watch. I, I would rather watch Air Force and, and Navy JV teams than watch this game.
1: Replays of Maxion.
0: I would watch that. I would watch replays of, oh man, probably two and a half. Man, nah, no, two and a half minutes too much. I hate that show. That show's terrible. So I would watch that over this. But this, like, this game, this game needs to be a huge springboard for for each program, honestly. But for at least one of them to like finish out the season better than what we've had. Like, like I'm putting both these teams in timeout because I can't. I can't. Like, it used to be fun, even watching games at Vanderbilt. Like, even like they were like a serviceable team that could keep it close, but now you're like, Jesus Christ. What are you, doing? you know you should
1: watch, and I don't mean to, to kind of stir the pot because we're talking yeah. about Mississippi State here. A certain Oregon football team is playing in Stanford. A certain Joe Moorhead, first game is the Oregon OC. The I'm States just saying. I know
0: or want to accept who I am as a person or, or anything about my fiancé. We're, we're Oregon State, <laughs> Stanford. Oregon and Stanford is not coming on the TV. We'll be pulling for Stanford heavily because her, uh, as you know, her uh, family has attended eight. Of the original or five of the original eight Pac-12 schools, Pac 8 schools, whatever you want to call it. Oh. Yeah. Pac-8. And, right. and of, that's what it used to be. Um, yeah. like way back in the day. But none of those schools are Oregon. Uh her mom did go to Stanford, so we'll we'll be pulling for the Cardinal. Good to know. Idiot. Good to know.
1: <laughs> if Mississippi State can't score here, just shut it down for the rest Dude. of Dude. I mean, you're not gonna get a matchup more teed up than this. This is one of those spreads that while we were horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. The fact that we were that horribly, horribly wrong makes me think, well, Vegas knows something because they're daring you to take the points with Vandy. They are absolutely yeah, you know, I'll tell you daring. what they
0: know. Vandy's Vandy's defense is not great, especially in the second half of games, but Vandy's offense is awful. They put up 21 points against Ole Miss, but Ole Miss is garbage. So, like, Poor I, I, Ken Seals. I, their, defense, their defense is really bad. Yeah, poor Ken Seals, for real. But I tell you what, the, the real question for me is, is over-under on total points scored from Vandy because I don't think it's over seven.
1: Yeah, Mississippi State's defense is good. Mississippi yeah. State's defense is good. Um, so I'm going to take Mississippi State to, to cover, and I'm going to say we're going to see a little bit of magic from Will Rogers, and maybe um, this defense gets, like, two defensive
0: touchdowns, and Mississippi yeah.
1: State wins one of those, I don't know, like, 28-7 to 7 type of games. That's still I'm, covering.
0: I'm going to say 24-7 to
1: they don't cover. Wow. All right. That was enough Vandy Mississippi State talk. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get to the rest of the games did you know that you can go right now to saturdaydownsouth.com slash shop and you can find all of our new t-shirts that we're doing with breaking tea awesome awesome stuff if you have not seen any of these yet maybe you didn't see the penny lane t-shirt that we got out there maybe you didn't see the yes t-shirt that we have who our good buddy peter burns was rocking there are so many great new designs that we are putting together with our friends at Breaking Tea that you need to go and, and grab one of these t-shirts because they're selling fast. We are selling so many of these. They're topical. You're going to be able to wear them to your next tailgate. You're going to be able to wear them to your next, you know, wherever you're watching these games in this weird 2020 year, go hook yourself up. Treat yourself. Buy yourself a, a t-shirt. It's been a crappy year, but if you go over to SaturdayDownSouth.com shop I promise you, you're going to find a T-shirt that you like. Our friends at Breaking Tea are going to hook you up. It's going to be the cool shirt that you're going to be, you know, you're going to be rocking at the tailgate. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So go do that now. Saturdaydownsouth.com/shop. Tennessee, Arkansas. Tennessee is a one and a half point favorite. I guess that Arkansas was going to be a one point favorite. You guessed that Arkansas was going to be a three point favorite, and that betters would get it down. This, this could go all over the place by the time yeah. this one's played on Saturday.
0: Agreed. I, I'm very confused by this because it's, it's at Arkansas.
1: It is at Arkansas. This is true. Tennessee coming off of the bye week. The over-under that I have, Felipe Frank's passing yards. I set it at 254. Why did I set it at 254? Because that's how many passing yards the Vols have allowed to Felipe Franks. He's been excellent lately, and he's been excellent against Tennessee. He hasn't been a roller coaster, surprisingly. I This, this kind of blew me away. I looked up his numbers since the Georgia game. 10-to-1 TD to INT ratio, 70% passing, and 143 rushing yards. Against Tennessee, he has also been pretty good. 9-of-18 um, a couple years ago for 172 yards, but had the three touchdowns, one rushing score, but four-touchdown game. And then last year, 18-28 for 212 yards. Although this was, I guess this would have been, yeah, I just mixed up. One was 2017 and one was 2018. And, you know, had a solid day as well in blowout wins. Well, blowout win in 2018. Had the best throw probably of his life on the walk-off Hail Mary that you were wearing jorts and you got pulled over for during that. (laughs) Right? Yeah,
0: that's true, Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: People forget yeah, that. That all happened. Beginning <laughs> the end for Butch Jones, ironically enough. But now we come full circle. So, are you taking the over on those Felipe Franks passing yards, 254?
0: I am, because I don't think that Arkansas is going to run the football effectively over uh, Tennessee.
1: Mm, okay. A, uh, Rakeem Boyd had his first big game of the year back and yeah. healthy. I know Arkansas fans were delighted to see that. Pivotal, pivotal time for Jeremy Pruitt. I keep coming back to that with this game because I think this is a can't lose game in terms of public perception. Yeah. What does it say to Philip Fulmer if you lose to year one Sam Pittman? Lose this one and it's kind of like shades of twenty eighteen Tennessee Auburn. If you remember that game, that was like all over the place where all of a sudden Auburn, a team that coming into the year, of course, was coming off of, you know, the West title and and you know, looking like a promising team with Jared Stidham at quarterback. And then Tennessee in year one with Pruitt goes into Jordan Hare and wins that game. Gus had just gotten that $49 million extension. Yeah. Jeremy Pruitt has just gotten a big extension. Auburn was already out of it too. And that's the danger I see with Tennessee, but you know, I, I think that the buyer's remorse will be at it full force. If all of a sudden Tennessee loses a game like this, loses its fourth consecutive game. And all of a sudden, the, the, that extension looks like bad money for Tennessee fans.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, I I I think that this game used to be so much fun, more fun at least in the '90s. Um, besides the Cerner game, which I'll never let go of. Uh, I, I just, Even though he let go, but yeah. Oh, that's too much. Sorry, too sorry. sorry. Um, I I will say this game is. Like, how does Tennessee look coming off the bye week? How does how does Tennessee look like from Jer- – because Jeremy Pruitt, like, we gave him so much praise. And, and, like, if Tennessee fans couldn't see where this was going after, like, the eight-game win streak and all that kind of stuff, like, you knew it was coming to an end because there's no way around it on that schedule. You have Georgia, Bama, and, and Florida. So I I, th- I don't think we're as far – this the program is as far ahead as we thought um, under Jeremy Pruitt. I don't think Jeremy Pruitt is necessarily a better coach than Sam Pittman. I don't think he's proven it this year, if mm. he is. Now, you're right. I, th- I think, like, the per- public perception of how this is going to look is going to be huge for somebody like Jeremy Pruitt. Here's the positives I'll give you.
2: Mm. Jeremy
0: Pruitt coming off a of bye week, uh, including the bowl game. is 3-1, okay? Um, he beat Indiana in the bowl game. That, you know, if you don't want to count that one, the other three games, South Carolina last year, they won 24-20. to uh, They lost to Georgia, which I would tend not to count because Georgia's a lot better. Queso says hi. And then last but not least, on the road, okay, we're talking about a road game, which is the only time he's had to face a team on the road coming off a bye besides the bowl game, was that game against Auburn in 2018 where he Mm -hmm. went in with a a, a completely, what we thought was an undermanned, you know, outmatched, all that kind of stuff team and really kind of beat the brakes off an Auburn team in Jordan-Hare. Because of that think i'm gonna go with tennessee Mm. and i really don't want to if this line was three points four points whatever um i would probably take arkansas but i mean mainly because they're five and oh against the spread i just get the feeling that that tennessee coming off a bye week and and like schematically on on defense they're gonna be able to take away the run game and felipe franks isn't good enough to beat them through the air i just i just don't think they are i i I wonder now again what has really screwed tennessee out of out of being a you know, good this season in games that are not against Georgia and Bama, is interceptions and turnovers and dumb from Jerry Garantano. So if he can stay away from doing that, that would be ideal.
1: You can't play Garantano though, can you?
0: Can you? He's, he'll start. He had a he like the worst thing that could have happened to this this situation was Jerry Garantano had a had a statistically good game against Alabama. And he threw some really good balls, to be honest.
1: Pruitt said that during the bye week they went back to fall camp. Guys got equal reps at the quarterback position, which suggests this thing is open. You usually don't do that with your quarterbacks when you want to be able to get your starter as many reps with the ones as possible. And knowing that Tennessee obviously had that turnover at the receiver position, they probably would like to get their starting quarterback as many reps with their receivers as humanly possible. I'd also much rather play a quarterback that Barry Odom doesn't have a film on. Doesn't that kind of seem... Like something that's worth mentioning when we talk about this game, I, we talk about Garantano, knowing what he is at this point, knowing his limitations. I I, I know it. I know Pruitt's going mean, to come out with We know his limitations.
0: I, you're not wrong.
1: I, he's going to come out with Garantano, and you're right. You're yes. absolutely right. But in this situation, I think that Tennessee plays with a sense of urgency, and even if Garantano is not particularly good, which I'm not banking on that. I can't at this point. I think that Tennessee establishes the run and does some really good things defensively with a bye yeah. week and is able to beat Arkansas in a close game. A close game, but, you know, it's not like Tennessee is having to give up a whole lot here. I mean, we're talking about yeah. a spread that's, you know, at this point, one and a half and could be less, could be shifted by the time this this is played. But I'll echo that sentiment. I'll, I'll, I'll say that Tennessee won't lose its fourth consecutive game and that they'll yeah. be able to cover. Florida, Georgia. Talking cocktails. We got to take another break, you're, real quick. What are you? What are you talking about? I think your
0: your what do you call it keeps hitting your shirt, and so it's like going. No, like,
1: oh, sorry about that. Okay, yeah, sorry. Actually, sorry, I, if anybody, I think it's picking up. Sorry. Okay. Sorry if anybody has heard that. My bad. We're not taking a break. We're not taking a break. <laughs> we are back. All right. Um, Florida and Georgia. Georgia is a three and a half point favorite in this one, and. You know, I had guessed f- Georgia was going to be a four-point favorite. You had guessed Georgia was going to be a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So I'm going to count that as a win. I'm going to count that yeah, as a win.
0: kill
1: sure. it. See how this line moves in, in the coming dates here. The over-under that I have is Georgia third-down conversion percentage. Oh, Didn't talk about yeah. this yet. In the past two meetings with Florida, Georgia has converted 62.5% of its third downs so that is why the over under is at 62.5 third and grantham has been a punchline of many many jokes made about the cocktail party that's what it feels like this game is going to come down to do you want to take the over or the under on that
0: um eh, i don't know i don't that's like a real that's like an actual like i'm gonna take the under i'll take the under because it just i don't That's a lot, and I don't don't trust this offense unless they're in third and short a lot. Yeah,
1: which they could be. They very well could be. It feels like though that's what this game is going to come down to because we can talk about how Georgia's been the more talented team in the past, and you know they've had this many five stars, and Florida hasn't had that. But you know that that, these games have been decided on third down. They absolutely have been the last two years, and that's why Florida fans always have that "yeah, but" with Todd Grantham, of course. Jake Fromm and Lawrence Cager last year, we saw it 12 of 18 by night's end. It feels like this game is make or break for Grantham in Gainesville. And I, you know, I, I say that acknowledging those top 20 defenses. I get it. But if Dan Mullen looks up at the end of this game and he has another loss to Georgia, and it's because his defense couldn't make those adjustments. You have to at some point say, if you want to be that elite program where you have to make those tough decisions about coordinators, even if they've had success, I would tend to think that this is not going to favor very well for Todd Grantham moving forward.
0: That's fair. I mean, yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that this 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 game for me says a lot more about where Kirby is with UGA than it does about Mullen and Florida. And that's partially because I think like Florida fans would tell you, we heard a CD say you'll hear it later in the interview, you know, if not this year than win, yeah. and I get that. I for me, and maybe it's because I already have a, a built-in perception or preconceived notion that I think that Georgia is a better program with uh, with what they're doing from a recruiting standpoint, especially. Like, the excuse the time for excuses is over. Like you, the injuries are going to factor into this, but you have built what is seemingly a much better program at Georgia than what you have from your rival has done in Gainesville, and and I wonder. If like like I, I said this on Arkansas radio the other day, and I don't, I they didn't agree with it, but I, I think it's true. If Georgia loses this game, and effectively takes themselves out of the national championship race. You remember in two thousand and five when Georgia won the SEC championship? They did it with like two losses, and it was a it was a surprise, and it didn't really matter. They went to the Sugar Bowl, but it didn't really matter because they weren't going to play for a national championship. Got off it wasn't so that's like correct.
1: That's the just meant more game than we did.
0: Yeah, was well, I think yeah. So the cocktail part, yeah. yeah. It's not the same as the two thousand two game. It's not the like, or the team where they went thirteen and one and lost on a, in heartbreaking fashion. In this in this game, it's not even the same as two thousand three, two thousand four when they start out with these like top five preseason expectations and all this kind of stuff, and then lose like one game and they're out of it. This is different for Georgia because if they if they lose this game and then somehow get to Atlanta and they have a good rest of the season, no one gives f- anymore from, like from from Athens because they expect to be playing in a national championship every single season and and. That's obviously not where they are. I think that if this game, if if Georgia loses and they lose badly somehow, like people like Barrett Salee, our good buddy over there at CBS, is predicted like by 10-plus points, and, and he's not the only one, a lot of people have said, Georgia's comparisons, and for people's comparisons of Kirby Smart to Mark Richt are yeah. going to look more and more legitimate. And and, and I, I know that Georgia fans are tired of hearing it. I don't think that's that bad of a comp from what we've already seen. Mark Richt had never had... The, the same advantages that Kirby Smart has had. And, and a lot of that's because Kirby Smart's done such a good job recruiting. But he's never had that kind of talent that Kirby's had and still been this underwhelming in different spots. So if Kirby loses this game, in all honesty, I think he puts himself on the, like, the smallest of flames, but the hot seat. Because if he loses this game and loses it badly to Florida, Georgia fans have to start wondering, like, what the F do we have to do to beat, like... These teams that we're supposed to beat on paper, and and like like you lose to Dan Mullen, like like that would not be a good look for Georgia fans.
1: I think there's, I think there's truth in us having very long-term thoughts about whoever loses this game. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's Kirby suddenly on the hot seat, but that question. No that one you else bring says
0: up. but me, so it's fine. <laughs>
1: I, I've kind of hated the Rick comparisons because I've, yeah. I've brought up the stats about how many games Georgia has played as a top 10 team and how that mm-hmm. that matters as well. And people always just want to look at the end result. Do you win a national championship? Do you not? And to me, stupid, yeah, yeah I, I think that there's just a, a much higher floor with Kirby Smart than there was with Mark Richt. And I think that's a difference with these two guys. But at the same time, you know, a loss for Kirby and all of a sudden it's, well, Kirby just wasted the best defense he's ever had. And yep. there are going to be a lot of people frustrated with the quarterback situation if Georgia loses this game and doesn't score 30, 40 points in the process right. as well. And on the flip side, what if Mullen loses this? Because a loss for Mullen, and suddenly it will never be on Georgia's level. Because I kept saying throughout this offseason, and I still think it, there's a lot of truth in it, that it has never been set up better for Dan Mullen at Florida than right now, than right right just now. And a a little part of that is Georgia's defensive injuries as well, the timeliness of this game and when you get to play it and you don't have to face Richard LeCount and Jordan, Jordan Davis, these guys who are just absolute studs for them. But everything we've talked about with Florida, just having the right pieces offensively, where you get a returning starting quarterback, and you get an offensive line that's more experienced, that's not going to get pushed around by Georgia up front, and you get the skilled players who are finally playing at all america levels that Florida just has not had in the last 10-plus years. Right. And I kind of tend to think that if Mullen loses this game, and that's the second loss, and reality sets in of... Oh, well, maybe they'll go 8-2 and and they'll go to another New Year's Six Bowl. And suddenly those questions are asked about, is this the guy who's going to take Florida to those next levels? And I I say this while acknowledging that this could be the third of like five or six games in a row in which these two teams play as top 10 teams. So it's going to feel like the end of the world for one of these two teams. I get that. But at the same time, I still think that both of these teams have such high floors right now with these two head coaches that, you know, there is something to be said for that. And, and I do think that it's going to feel like the end of the world, but more competitive days are ahead. This is a monumental game. I mean, there's just. It really is. There's there's no way. There's no way around it.
0: We talk about it like, like every year, like it's supposed to be that. But this year it really is.
1: And it, and it feels different just because of the preseason expectations as well. And, yep. and that's what I think, you know, maybe maybe the trash thing in the middle of last year sort of changed the way what we thought of Florida. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you know, they're doing it with a backup quarterback guy who hadn't played, who had yeah. started a quarterback since ninth grade, all this stuff. And I, I get it, but at the same time, it's it feels different now. I think I know where you're going with this pick. I want you to go first. Okay, I'll go first. That's fine. I think this is Florida's time. I really do. I think that they finally have the talent to compete with Georgia and i think last week even seeing little things like florida simplifying simplifying the blitzes that they're doing and i talked about how i think this is a you know an all or nothing game for todd grantham i i don't think he he's in a position now where he can afford to make these mistakes and i think that matters in a game like this i don't think that george is able to capitalize on florida's weakness which is a downfield passing game and I think that that's the area where if you're going to beat this Florida team, it's because you're doing it the way that, you know, Ole Miss and how they were able to gain so many yards like that. Even AM was attacking downfield with Caleb Chapman and some of the things that they were doing with Anaya Smith. And I think that's what you have to do to beat this Florida team. I think that Florida matches up better, finally. And the one thing, the one thing that's just in the back of my mind that I can't get over when we've seen Georgia face these truly elite mm-hmm. offenses. They yep. have faced two offenses since the start of 2019 who have averaged 40-plus points per game. Those two teams, it's not LSU last year in the SEC Championship, Bama this year. Florida this year, averaging 42 points per game. That's not cupcake-aided. That's against all SEC competition. 31 points per game Florida averaged last year against SEC competition and 26.1 points per game that they averaged against SEC competition in 2018. This is a different Florida team. This is a different Florida team. And I think it's going to be close. I think Florida gets out to an early lead, maybe even a two-possession lead. Yeah. But I think that Florida is able to finally hold off Georgia and Florida gets out of Jacksonville with a win and a chance to get to the SEC championship.
0: I couldn't agree more with most of what you just said, Connor. I, and I tell you what, in the last 15 years of this rivalry, no team has won more than three games in a row uh, in, in consecutive uh, years. I, every part of my logical, reasonable being is taking Florida in this game. I, I don't disagree with even what Barrett Salee said about going 10-plus points. Georgia's offense will not be able to hold, keep up with Florida, in my opinion. They will not be able to go into this game and, and get into a track meet. And I don't think with their defensive numbers that they have out and starters and the, and the star power they, they have out, that they will be able to keep up with them at all. I, I, that is, like, from a logical and reasonable standpoint, I believe all of those things that you said and that I just said. Um, I've seen just the dumbest imaginable happen in this game, Connor. As somebody that's watched it my entire life, I've seen Georgia Georgia teams go in there that were that were much better than Florida, drop wide open passes that would have scored uh, to win games, like in 2004 with Terrence Edwards. I've seen Mark Richt start Fatone effing Balda, at quarterback for absolutely no reason. I've seen Florida go into a game where they were an underdog in 2014 and and throw the ball six times and then somehow put up 406 yards of uh, of rushing yards. Against Georgia, I've seen so many things happen in this game that have not made sense to me. Kirby Smart, here's the deal: you know how much I hate having a healthy metabolism and how much I hate sportsmanship, correct?
1: This is factually correct.
0: Right. You know how, as we're going to the interview later, and the um, Cur- <laughs> Chris Doran called me a gluttonous fat ass. Here's the deal: you know who else is a gluttonous fat ass, Connor? Kirby Smart. And here's why. Whoa. Because all he wants to do is eat, Connor. Oh. All he wants to do is eat. And he wants him to eat. And him to eat. And him to walk okay? Here's the deal, Georgia fans. Gather around and listen up. Because I'm going to tell you right now. This took a turn. The, the number one reason why Georgia is going to win this football game is a quote from Kirby Smart. And I'm fired up. I'm giving myself goosebumps. I don't care if y'all have them or not. I'm sorry, Florida fans. In 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 2018, Kirby Smart had this to say after a 36-17 to win against a top 10 team in Florida. Do you know what he said, Connor? I want to eat. No, and I don't want you to even say it. You might have to earmuff it here, because I'm going to say it. His exact words were F- these <laughs> That's exactly what he said, Connor. That's outrageous. That's, that's so much bad sports it's terrible. I don't agree with what he said necessarily but that attitude i saw a side-by-side video going into that game of dan mullen and kirby smart i'm using so many hand motions right now wow. so of dan of dan mullen and kirby smart and kirby and, and dan mullen said you gotta hold on the rope you gotta hold on the rope guys hey hey you, you know what he, you know what dan mullen is like in my opinion he's like in that movie role models where you have like like hey you know for if i had a nickel for every time somebody asked me to play a wing song or whatever that that whole thing was Dan Mullen's a great guy. He still wears pleated khaki pants. He doesn't have the cutthroat mentality to go out and beat this Georgia team. Kirby Smart is not effing around when it comes to beating this team. And after a loss, he has been absolutely dominant the rest of the year. Since 2017, after a loss, for the the rest of the season, including last week, Kirby Smart is 17-4. 17-4. He's 15-6 against the spread in those games. In the regular season, though, Connor, so when they had the backs against the wall and they got to get to uh, get to the, the end of the season, he is fourteen and zero. Fourteen and zero. It's pretty good.
2: It's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty
0: good. good. I think Georgia comes out. I think Kirby's Smart again. I cannot. I cannot say this or trust this enough. That twenty eighteen game when I saw Kirby's pregame speech versus Dan Mullen's pregame speech, these two people are built differently. And Dan Mullen's a great coach. And Todd Grantham is fine, but Kirby Smart is built differently than Dan Mullen. And this Georgia football team, from from the depth, from the toughness, from the physicality standpoint, all that, they are built differently than Florida. And they will go out, and they were going to beat Florida, and I think they're going to beat them by more than seven points, and I think they're going to leave Jacksonville with two middle fingers in the air and saying, blank these mother blankers. See, I, I did it for myself that time.
1: Wow, you censored yourself for the first time in this entire episode. That was big of you. That was really big I of you. You're welcome. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this game. I, I really am. I, I think the implications are just so, so big, and these fan bases, they, they sense it. There is there is a feeling right now of, of potential turning points and what this could potentially mean long term. It's going to be great. I'm really, yeah. really excited for it. All right. Barler, we did a little change-up. We waited to talk about Texas Pete. Whoop, whoop. I know you're going to have yourself some Texas Pete on Saturday. Why wouldn't you have yourself some Texas Pete on Saturday? You're probably having a Texas Pete during Maction watching, which you'll be yeah. doing Wednesday night, of course. Um, I don't think there's a bad time to have Texas Pete. No, even, not. In, even in church, you're allowed to have Texas Pete, I think.
0: Yeah, my mom's a pastor. She can she can verify that. Yep. Um, here's the deal, guys. We've said it all season. We'll keep it short and sweet this time because... You know, I, like, you guys you guys have the deal by now. If we love Texas Pete, if you can't stand the Pete, stay out of the kitchen, okay? That's all I'm gonna say. Go to TexasPete.com, get yourself some fantastic recipes, not just for, for food, but for drinks as well. I cannot stress that enough. More than a time like this, they have a fantastic margarita recipe you guys all need to check out. Mm. Also Bloody Mary's to get your day going. It's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party this Saturday. Go to TexasPete.com for some food and some beverage recipes. Uh, and make sure you are sending us all of your tailgates and your uh, or pictures of your tailgate and pictures of your own home cocktail party uh, at the hashtag Sauce Like you mean it. So there you go.
1: Lock of the week. It is either six and zero oh or five and one, depending on if you took pit and that points. We're just gonna say it's six and zero.
0: Oh. It's six and zero. Oh.
1: Thanks to the easy, easy Oklahoma cover. That was that was free money. Yeah. I gave everybody free money. If you didn't pick Oklahoma to cover a fourteen point spread against Texas Tech, that's on you. Out of respect to Malik Willis, I am staying away from Liberty plus 14.5 against Virginia Tech. By the way, had a nice little chat with Malik Willis earlier. Got to ask yep. him some questions about his days at Auburn. Unfortunately, a little peel behind the onion here. Yeah. We were originally going to bring Malik Willis on the podcast. They did not have one-on-one time available. Very crazy week with the Election, with election Day on Tuesday as well. So hopefully we're going to be able to do that moving forward. If you need a reason to root for Liberty this weekend, I, I think we'd be able to get Malik Willis on the podcast next week if – Liberty can beat Virginia Tech, who's Liberty's in the top 25 right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to my other go-to. Georgia State is only an (laughs) 18-point favorite against Louisiana Monroe. That's right, the same Louisiana Monroe team that didn't have a prayer of covering earlier in the season against Malik Willis. Louisiana Monroe is 0-7. They've kept it within two scores in one game all year. They've been held to 14 or less in five of those seven games. I know. Look, you're going to tell me, hey, Georgia State just got demolished by Coastal Carolina. Yeah, the Shonts are an unstoppable force right now. I said it, the Shonts. be returning! They've got the power of the mullet. If you saw them on college game day, that looks like yeah. the coolest program in the country. Georgia State's just not built to be in obvious passing situations, all right? That game right. kind of exploited a weakness, but all Sean Elliott does is bounce back. When his team went 2-10 two in 2018, what did he do? He came out of the gates and he knocked off Tennessee. Destin Coates is going to run wild on this awful, awful Louisiana Monroe defense. The Warhawks have allowed 20 rushing touchdowns. That's dead last in FBS. Lock of the week. Georgia State covering 18 against Louisiana Monroe.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, oh. Okay. Here's the deal. I don't have a lock lock yet. Yet, but I will give you some stats here, okay? Dabo's 13-3-1 versus spread his last 17 games on the road against NBC. Or against, well, against, can NBC, you against s- Notre Dame.
1: Can you say the starting quarterback for Clemson's name?
0: Uh, no, I'm not even going to try. DJ
1: Uyongalale. Let's
0: say that again. Uyongalale?
1: DJ Uyongalale.
0: Tua. Got it. I nailed it. Okay, here's the deal. Um, my lock of the week. I kind of just gave it to you. I'm taking Georgia. I'm going to take the money line. I'm not going to even mess with the points. Wow. I, I still like the points. I'm taking Georgia. I, I hope this swings. I hope I just pray that betters are dumb enough to bet against Georgia and Kirby again. I want I want to give you this stat: 14 and 0 following a loss to finish out the season since 2017. 14 and 0.
1: And how many of those 14 games did he have to face a Florida offense like this?
0: Uh, I don't know. You brought up the, the fact that it was a Dan Mullen offense and they were in the top 10 the last two years in a row, correct? And what they were in points? the top
1: 10 the last two years. They averaged, were they were they ranked? They they averaged. So against SEC competition, they averaged 31 points per game. No, no. What was year. Florida
0: ranked? What was Florida ranked last year?
1: Nationally in scoring offense? Well, I no. It, uh,
0: the ranking. The What was Florida ranked as a team? Not their scoring Oh, like offense. eight people? Yeah. Oh, top ten, they're in, 10? They're in the top ten, yeah. Right, I've seen this song and dance from from Florida before. I've right. seen it from Dan Mullen before. I've seen what Dan Mullen's record is against against ranked teams. It's not good. Uh, Kirby has won and covered in all three games in Jacksonville in the last three years. He's going to win. He's going to make it four zero. All
1: right, simple enough. Simple yeah. enough. Let's kick it to an interview with our good buddy Chris Doring. He was kind enough to join us to talk cocktails because that's that's what he does. It's that's what yeah. C D does. Um, but it's great to be able to have him on. We hadn't had him on since it just meant more over the summer, yeah. which is kind of a crazy, it's we don't a usually go time for me. Yeah. <laughs> we usually don't go that long without talking to CD, but good to hear from him. So here is our interview with Chris Doring. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is our good buddy, SEC network analyst and the grittiest Florida Gator of all time. Oh is Chris Doring. <laughs> cd before we get to some cocktail party stuff uh y'all, y'all have a new member of sec football final on saturday nights which of course all of us watch after 12 hours of football roman harper has been a welcome addition to your team but my question is how have you handled no longer being the best dressed analyst on the show
2: <laughs> he definitely has uh, shown up and shown out with that so he's, he's more recently removed from the nfl so he's you know, he's still got a lot of uh, you know, the, 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 the young blood of playing in the locker room being around guys, you know so he, he's definitely been able to uh, kick the fashion up a, a notch. but he has been a welcome uh, addition to our crew. I think the biggest issue is just us, you know all of us that like to talk and hear ourselves, our own opinions so much making sure that we leave some time for, for Roman to talk. So it's, uh, it's been a little different dynamic <laughs> trying to uh, split up the time. But it, it is uh, – yeah, I got to know Roman. I'll tell this quick story. Um, last year I was flying to the national championship game. So I, I took a flight from Gainesville to, uh, to Charlotte and connecting through Charlotte to New Orleans. And I go over to the gate to go to New Orleans, and immediately I see Roman Harper. He's, he's very recognizable, has a unique kind of look to him. I know who he is, and all of a sudden, he comes walking up to me, smiling, hey, Chris, I'm, I'm Roman Harper. Like, first of all, I, I didn't even know that he knew who I was, but then he went into, hey, my my, my brother's a huge Gator fan. We loved you and Danny Warfel growing up. you mind if I get a picture with you to send to him? And, like, couldn't have been a, a, a nicer guy, and, and obviously I was uh, impressed that, that uh, he knew who I was and appreciative of him coming over and introducing himself. And then we got to... Be friends in, in New Orleans while we were there covering the game, and went out a couple nights, and, and uh, have it's just been it's been really cool to to, to get to know him, and then the addition of, of him to our show and to our SEC Network family is a is a natural one. So uh, really, uh, been fun over the last couple games getting to uh, to figure out how the new dynamic works with with four members on the uh, SEC Football Final, a new name nonetheless. The SEC now name in the past, moving to SEC Football Final.
1: Love I it. love it. it. Yeah, I picked up on that. I made sure to, to, to update that. See, time so direct- how you
0: had a Bama guy on there. I'm sorry, Connor. Just you know, it's like we never get enough uh, publicity or attention. So I appreciate you guys finally doing that.
2: Yeah, I mean, as if there was not enough Bama talk on our network. Anyway, our most actually it's funny cuz how you Bama people probably don't think they get enough attention and then everybody else thinks we're the uh, Alabama Football Network. So it's uh, depending right. on your allegiance is obviously very different perspectives.
1: Yeah, we get that too. We get that too, just just a little bit. CD, correct me if I'm wrong here because while we do different things in this business, it's kind of sort of the same. We analyze, we react, we predict all things SEC. I-, I find myself this year second-guessing myself more than I ever have, which is probably saying a lot. Uh, this year has just been so fluid from week to week. I feel like identities are changing in this league, perhaps yeah. with the exception of Bama, between you know MSU, LSU, Tennessee, Kentucky, A&M, and even Florida and Georgia. It just seems like it's been such a roller coaster this year. Do you find yourself feeling more wrong than usual? Because I definitely
2: do. Uh, you're, you're right on point with that. I mean, even dating back to the offseason, things that I felt pretty confident about, like I think some of the, the big storylines that I felt good about, one, I thought Kentucky was going to be a real dark horse kind of contender in the East this year. I thought they'd take a big step forward. That obviously hasn't been the case. I thought with no spring practice and limited time together in the offseason, it was going to be an advantage for the defenses and the offenses were going to struggle early on. That was obviously very wrong. So, And then as we've gotten into the season... Every time you think you figure a team out, like before the, the LSU game, I thought South Carolina had put things together with that victory over Auburn. I thought they were developing an offensive identity. I thought the defense was getting healthier. I thought they were going to be an ascending team, and all of a sudden they go out and then lay an egg against LSU. And then you think LSU has solved some of their problems, and they're getting better, and then they get smashed by an Arbor team that had been incredibly inconsistent to that point. So it's just – I think what you're seeing is a, a lot of the results of not having a ton of time together in the off season, as well as the grind of a 10-game SEC-only schedule. I mean, there's no chance to take a breath. And, and then you factor in the pressure that goes along with, with not having a normal life off the field, the inability to, to really um, you know, put yourself out amongst the, the, the regular student body, these, these guys not living a normal life on campus, and, and how that's impacted, you know concerns about being able to even play a game and, and be eligible and stuff. There's just so much that's gone into it that I think has affected um, from week to week what a team looks like. And, and just the fact that you look at the standing, there's, there's only five teams that have a winning record. So we're talking about nine teams in the SEC that are two and three or worse. Like that is uh, kind of amazing to think about. But at the same time, I think it really is the, is the perfect illustration of why we'll never have a 10 game conference only season once we get back to normal. Mm.
1: Marla and I have both shared our feelings on this, so I don't really want to beat this into the ground too much. But I'm curious what your thoughts are on who Dan Mullen has been in 2020. You're close to that program; you've gotten to know him very well. Is this a new version of him that we're seeing this year?
2: I don't know if it's a new version. I think you know he. I think he's getting comfortable in, in his position here. He's not the new guy anymore. In in Gainesville, and, and he's had results. You know, two back-to-back ten-win seasons gives you a, a feeling of of confidence heading into this year. Not to mention the expectation level for this program. And so I think I think you're seeing two things. I think you're 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 seeing a guy that's emboldened now with his position in the league in general, and where his, his status is uh, within that athletic department at the University of Florida. And secondly, I think you're seeing a guy that's dealing with pressure. This is a lot more of a pressure-filled job than obviously his previous position at, at uh, Mississippi State. And there's only a handful of, of jobs in college football, I think, that have similar type pressure. So I think you're seeing a guy that, that feels like he can be a little bit more assertive in certain situations. And I think he also is, is seeing a guy that is, is acting emotionally at times because of the pressure that surrounds the job that he's in. So, you know, I don't think he's changed uh, as who he is as a person. But I think the thing that I'd like to kind of see and, and just, you know, Projecting this forward is trying to react a little less emotional. You know, I mean, as as a coach, you tell your players all the time, we want you to 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 act with composure, and and whether stuff's going great or stuff's going terribly, keep that even keel about you, and make sure you're not putting yourself in a position that's going to harm the team or harm yourself and the ability to to play in future weeks. And, And so, I think. You know, for him to be able to say that to his team right now would be a little hypocritical after some of what we saw on Saturday.
0: Yeah, we've been saying this all year, CD. That uh, I've never related to Dan Mullen more because most of his reactions have been exactly how I react in the middle of a game. And I'm yep. like, Jesus, this is not good for anybody. Um, okay, so here, here's my question for you. Uh, this is always one of my favorite games of the year, not just because of it's a cocktail party, it's a huge rivalry, all those things, all the tradition and pageantry. But it's also the day where one program's fans are finally shut up on Twitter, and I cannot wait for that. And and I I think I know where maybe you might go or lean towards this matchup, but what's the biggest difference between this Florida team and the teams of the past that have maybe been top five, top ten, but not truly contenders, per se? Is it it talent? Is it scheme? Is it the foundation of the, the program? What's the biggest difference?
2: well, I think I think offensively you got to start there. I mean, this is the first time since Tebow left that Florida really has a true quarterback that you think is worthy of playing football at the University of Florida i mean and and I, I don't mean to disrespect any of those other guys that have played there i I think I've always wondered why, in the state of Florida, when you're the flagship university, how you can possibly not have you know, a, a quarterback that is uh, elite amongst the, the national best, and Florida's been able to recruit some of those guys. They haven't developed them very well. They haven't put them in positions to be successful. But at the same time, this is a guy that that finally seems to understand the offense, understands what's being asked of him, plays with with uh, great uh, with, with great patience, and and with throws the football with great accuracy. Like everything you could want from a quarterback he gives you so you feel good about this team being led at the most important position on the field by somebody that gets it secondly you know the offense has a whole there's so many weapons around and, and you just can't you can't stop all of them and I know everybody wants to, to focus on Kyle Pitts but now Kadarius Tony is is developing and you're you're seeing uh Trayvon Grimes and, and his matchup issues with his size I mean there's just so many waves and waves of receivers that they can roll at you and that's not even factoring in the the, the running back spot so that, that's where I think they're, they're really um, different. But I, I think the thing that, that kind of scared me actually at the beginning of the year was just the drop-off in defensive performance. I mean, Florida has been known for a long time as having really stout, salty defenses. And this, in the first three weeks of the season, was not that. And I think as you look at it, the one common denominator, the thing that's missing from this year's defense, or at least was early in the season from all those great defenses of Florida years in the past, well, the defensive line, and everybody talks about this being a line of scrimmage league, but I really believe it is. You know, I think it's a situation where um, the line of scrimmage is, is is where you know teams are able to differentiate themselves. And, and Florida on the defensive line had always been very good, and they they in this uh, situation now they're not able to uh, to be quite as as, uh, as as imposing. They're not getting the penetration. They're not able to disrupt. And so it was nice to see that against Missouri where they looked a little bit more like we've come to see uh, and come to expect from those teams of the, of the past.
1: So piggybacking on that, did, did this Florida defense figure something out against Mizzou with all that depth missing in the secondary? Or do you ex- still expect this to be a, a liability moving forward?
2: Uh, I'd like to think they took a step forward. I'd like to think getting Kyrie Campbell back helped with that situation. I'd like to believe that they are a better team now, uh, because of his presence and, and, and guys are being able to put in positions that are more natural to them, I'd like to think that guys are, are understanding their roles in the defense and are playing what their responsibilities are instead of trying to go make a play and playing hero ball themselves. So that, that's I—that's where I think you're seeing the most improvement right now from, uh, from Florida's uh, defense is just understanding. At least and it's only a one-game sample size, so I don't know how – much we can actually put credence into that, but I'm optimistic as a former Florida player
1: that that's the case. So, CD, we know that you got the extension in the offseason. Congratulations whoop, whoop. on that, by the way. Big ups to you. I definitely <laughs> didn't text you afterwards asking for money or anything. That'd be totally unprofessional. <laughs> um, but you know, let's let's pretend that we can we can change your job. Let's let's pretend that we can make you Kirby Smart. And Kirby Smart's got to take your job, and we got to uh, look at his hair. That? Yeah, I don't know if you want to do that. That's you're doing fine. I don't, that's a lot of well
2: pressure. Right that's a lot of pressure there. <laughs> that being the head coach of Georgia, you know.
1: So if you switch spots with Kirby Smart, you know, knowing what you've seen from this offense, and I give you the power to do whatever you want with that quarterback situation. How are you handling that moving forward?
2: Well, I mean, here's the thing. I hate when people try to project what's going on. At a, at a school, you know, suggesting that there should be a different quarterback. You know, I mean, these these quarter, these quarter coaches see these 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 players every single day. They watch every single snap over and over again live on tape. They see, you know, who gives the, the offense the best rhythm. Like, don't you think that Kirby Smart wants to win as bad or worse than anybody else does, and he's going to give himself every opportunity to have the formulas that's going to put them in position to be successful? Like, I, I hate that fans think they know, and media members as well, think they know so much more than what the coaches do there's something they're seeing whether it's you know a deficiency with uh, the play of Duan mathis and jt daniels or the health of, of jt daniels but right now it's obvious that Stetson bennett is the guy that gives them the best chance and i have to i have to defer to the experience of kirby smart as a coach a longtime coach and a coach that's been pretty successful in athens that he knows what he's doing and he's going to give them the best opportunity to win
0: that's the end of the entire hey. interview, because I could not disagree more. So, um, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I, that makes sense. Uh, I'm not going to back off anything I've said about Kirby, because I've said too much now anyway. But I will say this. Big picture, and this is going to shock you, CD, as somebody that's known me longer than anybody in this business, I've been catching a lot of heat on Twitter lately. Uh, just, I mean, pause for a surprise. Um, from people that are either Georgia or Florida fans, because um, I've, I've kind of assumed either might lose to Bama in in atlanta and that's that's admittedly me not trying to be a fan it's just i just don't see either one of those teams just beating them tell me why i'm wrong and tell me which team has the best chance of beating alabama in atlanta come december i mean
2: i think you have to believe it's florida and i know everybody's discussing this right now but i, I think you look at you know georgia's strength is their defense and I think now in college football, we have to recalibrate what good defense actually looks like. You know, good defense now is being able to hold Alabama to 41 points. Um, and, and, and subsequently, their weakness is their offense. They can't score the, the same kind of rate that you see Alabama and Florida Ole Miss scoring at. So, you know, the, the teams that are going to have success against Alabama are ones that can use tempo, that have a lot of different weapons, that can score fast and match touchdown for touchdown. Um, it's, you know, the, the, the most important thing defensively you have to be able to have is get timely stops. Get a stop, you know, in, 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 in certain situations. Be able to play good red zone defense. Be able to force a field goal every once in a while. That's what good defense is today. So I think Florida's actually rounding into potentially being a better defense, but they do have the offense that can match score for score, or at least come close enough to match score for score with what you need to enable to be in order to be competitive with Alabama.
1: You and Kadarius Tony both have Florida wide receiver on your resume. I, I don't really have a question. I just think that's a very pretty similar. cool thing no, very to have Very similar common. guys,
2: right? Very similar you, players. You definitely are. <laughs> <few
1: times. laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's not a human being. And having watched you throw wadded up paper into trash cans, we can confirm that you are indeed a human being. So, yeah. like, how does, how does that feel? Like, do you go around telling people, like, oh, yeah, Kadarius and I, we're two of the same?
2: It is funny to think about, but you know I think Kadarius is finally rounding into being a wide receiver. I think what you've seen in the first couple of years mm-hmm. is a guy that was tremendous with the ball in his hands, a guy that could make plays and, and was able to to do things that uh, that most most players aren't able to do. And so I, I think you're seeing uh, uh, now a guy that's able to make plays in the flow well and the rhythm of the offense. He's able to, to to catch balls down the field. He can still catch the tunnel screens. He can still use the jet sweeps and take those to the crib. But uh, you can motion him to the backfield as well. But he's now become a receiver as well, so the defenses have to be aware of him catching balls, you know, running routes within the, the, the constructs of the offense.
1: I just realized how much I love it when I hear people say, take it to the crib. That's like the coolest possible thing you can say. Um, always a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Jalen Waddell, speaking of guys who take it to the crib... Not having him is he is that the difference between Bama winning it all and coming up just short? I know David Pollock took a lot of heat for oh, for man. saying that he thinks Bama is done, but you know you've played this position, you've seen the way that a guy like that can impact the entire offense, the way that he can stretch the field. Do you think that limits this upside of this Alabama team and prevents them from winning a national championship?
2: You know what, I don't, and it's nothing against Jalen Waddle. In fact, Jalen Waddle was probably my favorite player in the SEC heading into this season, a guy that I thought could win the Heisman Trophy, but legitimate because of what he does not only as a receiver yeah. but in the return game. But I, I think if there's anybody that's poised to be able to overcome uh, an, an injury like that, it's, it's, it's Alabama for two reasons. One, because they recruit really well at all positions, and they have stacked uh, receiving rooms just like every other position. But also because of Steve Sarkeesian and, and how creative he is in his play design and, 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 and the way that he utilizes motions and, and formations and, and things to, to get matchups the way that he, he would like to dictate those to be played out. So I, I do think they'll be able to overcome that. I still think they're you know probably the favorite in my book to win the national title. But it, it is, I think, sad not to think about being able to see Jalen Waddell perform on Saturdays in the SEC. I have a hard time believing he'll ever take another snap at Alabama again.
0: Well, that just really brought the mood down, but um, dang. Try to I mean, you're spot on. Everything you said is spot on, and I do want to say I thought it was cool that in the start of the year you did have him as a potential Heisman front runner because he I, he'll never take another snap at Alabama. But I love all the insight on there. Um, all right, serious question, and it could be a team or a player. Who are we not talking enough about going into the second half of the season?
2: You know what's funny, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Mac Jones gets the credit that he deserves. I think Mac Jones Ooh. is looked at as a guy that, that uh, oh, Alabama does this every year. Oh, Tua was doing this last year. And I actually think that's more pressure on, on Mac Jones and, and should be celebrated more. Look at what Miles Brennan had to face at, at uh, LSU and, and stepping into Joe Burrow's shoes. Like, that's a tough thing to do. And what we've done is, is said, oh, man, we've minimized all the deep throws. We've minimized all the RPO stuff. We've minimized all the success and run after the catch. like All of these things are because of the accuracy that, that Matt Jones throws with. And subsequently, I don't think we talk enough about how good Alabama's offensive line is. I mean, Alabama's offensive line allows him to go untouched. They're throwing deep shots down the field. They're going max protection, and he never gets any sort of pressure at all. So his success is as a result of the production of the Alabama offensive line, all of which I don't think they get the credit they deserve because – of uh, that's what Alabama does every year, and you're, it's expected instead of looked at as uh, something that's special.
1: Before we get to a two minute drill, let's close out with your favorite cocktail party story and then a prediction for Saturday. Keep in mind that you set the bar for stories on this podcast yeah. so high with your post SEC championship story about <laughs> the rest of that night. That is an all time story. So, I mean, you got to make this yeah. one pretty good.
2: Well, a couple of things. First of all, uh, we had Kevin Carter, my former teammate at Florida, on the show today with me, and he um, we, we actually brought up the fact that, and, and uh, not that I forgot about this, but when we played in Jacksonville against Georgia, and remember, I was one of the few Florida Gators players to ever play Georgia in Jacksonville and Gainesville and in Athens because of the, uh, oh, yeah. the years there where, where the Gator Bowl was being redone in Jacksonville uh, in anticipation of the Jags coming into existence, but in the old days, like we were allowed, if we won the game against Georgia, we were allowed to stay over in Jacksonville on our own and go out at the landing. And the landing was the greatest party spot there was. I mean, it was the, the greatest accumulation of, of Georgia and Florida coeds there could possibly be. And so you <laughs> get an opportunity as a winner to stay and walk around the landing like you were the king of Jacksonville. And so it was. It was really. You know the game was motivating itself, but just the ability to stay there and experience that was motivation above everything else. So that was that was cool. I think to me, you know, my my favorite memory was probably my senior year in '95. We go to Athens. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I catch I catch five touchdowns in the first half on one drive. They kept calling the touchdowns back. They called one back because uh, of a penalty, holding penalty. I catch another one. They called it back, and finally I catch it when it counts. And so you know, I I feel like that was probably one of my favorite games because it was happening against a, a Georgia team that I grew up hating as a kid that that you know inflicted lots of, of pain and suffering on me because of, of all the, the success that Georgia had during the eighties. So it was, it was good for me because I put so much emphasis in, the, in that game, but also being able to do it in Athens and and uh, do it between the hedges in a storied stadium like that was uh, was really cool.
1: Oh, then Sorry. a prediction. Do you, do you have a prediction for for Saturday?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I I actually think you know I go along with the same mindset of of uh, the rest of the the Florida crew, and that's if not this year, win. I mean, everything seems to point to be in the advantage of Florida. The offense is rolling, the defense is coming together. The Georgia defense is banged up. I mean, they they're not going to be near full strength. Uh, the matchup because of you know Georgia's offense struggling a little bit. Like everything points to Florida winning this game um i know there's a lot of pressure on on both teams and, and the expectation is really high for florida amongst their fan base but i i think this is the year that florida is able to get over the hump and and uh and, and, and put that three game losing streak to georgia in the rearview mirror
0: i really want to lean forward and just give like a slurred not so fast my friend but i'm not going to i'm gonna wait until <laughs> to to my, to the prediction later but um cd it's always a pleasure having you on we're gonna do two minute drill with you it's been way too long um yeah. it's you know i i want you to know right now first and foremost i'm wearing my tightest cu- cut off shirt that used to fit it does not anymore um but in honor of you being on i had to get dressed up you know what i mean so <laughs> nice. we've got we've got several questions ready to go for you um are you ready to go
2: yes sir let's do it
0: okay first question i've been trying to lose weight and i have been what's a better peloton name for me peloton burgundy or peli atl
2: I like Peli Furtado ATL. I think that's the way to go. And if you wouldn't be such a gluttonous fat ass and stop eating so much, you might lose some weight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's fair, man. That's fair. It's just some people deal with their problems differently. All right, um, we should have saved that for the end. Uh, All right, first question. All right, second question. What's tighter, your shirt or the presidential race?
2: Ooh, that's
0: that's close, man. I uh, I'm gonna say right now it's the
2: presidential race, but uh, I have okay. got a shirt that I've been I've been holding out on the you know the SEC this morning. We can go a little bit more casually. I got like a, uh-huh. it's a it's, it literally is a medium Travis Matthews shirt. I'm not sure it might be too tight, it might be excessive, but I might I might break that out this week. I'm not sure.
0: It looks good either way. Uh, okay, next question <laughs> from my gluttonous fat ass. Uh, what's, more, <laughs> what's wider, the gap between Bama and the rest of the SEC or Roman Harper's tie knots?
2: Oh, man. I would go with uh, – I'm going to go with Roman Harper's tie knot because I do think Love that it. there's some teams that are closing the gap a little bit, and, uh, and that knot is, is, is pretty, pretty significant. I don't know if you've seen his actual That's tie fair. without the vest. But it, it looks like one it's of gotta those... It's got to be like, up to his uh, sternum. Yeah, it looks like those uh, Abbott and Costello ties back in the... Uh, real cool,
0: <laughs> <man>. <laughs> What a reference. <laughs> like Merrill Hoffman. Um, yeah, that's good. Uh, okay, what is the best cocktail to describe the cocktail party?
2: It's got to be some sort of whiskey. I'm not really a whiskey guy, but in the fall when it starts no. getting a little cooler, you got to have a little brown liquor. So... When you're you're walking through the parking lot there at the stadium in Jacksonville, it definitely smells of Jack Daniels. So it's got to be some sort of of bourbon. And and so I I would, I guess, go with with Jack Daniels, since that's kind of the quintessential college football brown liquor.
0: I was going to say it's it's either Molotov cocktail or the other one, it's like wild turkey, because I always hear like, drunk assholes like, from the South that I was like, I always fight when I drink wild turkey. Like, no, you're just kind of a jerk. So there's that. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, you know what, though?
2: I remember as a kid, as a kid going to, to Gator games with my family, and afterwards, you know, we'd stay till the end, and, and I'd go around collecting the cups, you know, the plastic cups, and there was always empty bottles of wild turkey. Like, I don't know why people feel like the need to, like, suffer through <laughs> smuggling in wild turkey. Like, you could actually get some <laughs> decent, some better – liquor to smuggle the yeah. why, why wild turkey i don't understand it
0: i don't get that either all right i got a math question for you because i've been watching the the election stuff and they're trying to add up all these damn electoral college votes so just a very simple uh math question for you what is 2020 minus 40. 2020 minus
2: 40 that would be uh uh eight, uh what 1980
0: there you go very good that's two points um oh. Uh, If you could vote Uh, for one SEC...
2: Was that a a reference to uh, last time Georgia won a national championship?
0: Ding, ding, ding. There it is. There (laughs) it is. Um, Uh, Okay, if you could vote for one SEC coach or player to be president, who would it be? Well, We just did that on our
2: show. We actually put that up on uh, SEC this morning. I think that the candidates that we had, we had uh, Nick Saban. We had, well, Commissioner Sankey was in the mix. But we also had Don Staley and we had Tim Corbin. And, uh, I mean, Steven's the, the natural answer. I mean, Ooh, the, the guy good. is experienced. Yeah, Corbin's good as well. But, um, you know, if we're talking just football here, I, I'd go Nick Saban.
0: Fair enough. I like that answer. Uh, who should be the Heisman frontrunner, in your opinion?
2: Mm, yeah, uh, Tra- Trevor Lawrence is, is hurting himself, obviously, not being able to play the last game and the Notre Dame game coming up this week. Um, I mean, I, I got to go with Mac Jones. I was just singing the praises of Mac Jones, and, and so I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna ride that. Even though his numbers were down, I mean, you're, you're, I, you're, I see what you're doing here. Every answer is set up for me to answer with an Alabama. <laughs> That's not true? First answer. off,
0: I'm, fall, I'm I falling said, into the trap. Go ahead.
2: I'm not smart enough to, uh, to, uh, to, to overcome your Jedi mind trick.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's what everyone would, if anybody listening to this would agree that I'm the smart one and I'm the brains of this whole operation. So uh, <laughs> um, I think I think that, first off, when I said, who are we not talking about enough, I was going to say Matt Corral, but it's fine. You you have said all these things uh, about Bama, not me. This is working out perfectly. All right. I don't questions. know if you know this or
2: not, Marla. We, we, we actually have been talking about. Matt Corral an awful lot I mean we talked about him going 19 for 19 this week to start the game we talked about him throwing six picks the, the game before that so there's been a lot of talk not all the good but I am really fired up about what the ceiling is for Matt Corral and that offense that Lane Kiffin really knows how to, to use him and put him in a position to be successful not only throwing the ball but the guy you know looking like on the hoof next to, to John Rice Plumley doesn't necessarily have the same athleticism but Matt Corral's pretty dang athletic and, and has a, a pretty good ability to run the ball. So I don't know why people are sleeping on, on the dual threat capabilities that Corral yeah. has.
0: We'll make sure to edit that out since you already said all the nice stuff about Bama first. But regardless, <laughs> back to the two-minute drill. Um, okay, describe LSU's defense in one word. Uh, awful. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Okay. That's kind. Describe, describe Maction in one word. Awesome. Yeah, okay, that's good. It's actually, we were looking for pure sex, but that's fine. We'll keep going. Uh, Mississi- Mississippi State, describe their offense in one word. Putrid. Yeah, That's a good word. All right, we got four left here. Uh, what has been your favorite part of 2020? If you say the election, we'll hang up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to say this. This is actually um, going to be a little, well, I right, two things. One, you know, you know, I own a mortgage company here in Florida. We've absolutely been killing it because the rates have been so low. So that's been a nice, <laughs> you know, off-topic off thing for me outside of the sports world. But, you know, ironically, you guys remember, I, I, I tested positive for COVID back at the end of June yeah. and, and into July, as my kids did as well. I actually got three captive weeks with my kids at home where we never left the house. We cooked out every night. We played basketball together. I mean, it was just a really kind of cool time. And it, it just reminded me that you can always – make the best of a situation that may be seemingly uh, not very good, but uh, there was a lot of, uh, of bright sides to what we went through, and, and I'm thankful for that time together with my kids. My daughter, as you guys know, started at Florida a few months after that, so she's not living in the house anymore. We kind of a special uh, three-week period where we got a chance to, to spend every minute together, which you don't typically get with your kids as they get older.
0: Dang, I mean, no just special. a family man t- talking about SEC football. This is, what, look at the range. Look at the range. I love it. <laughs> well, um, a, lot okay. of, a lot of
2: people call me a renaissance man, Marlon. I don't know if you know that or not, but we're, we're kinda, that's a broad stroke term.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, that's, all right. That's fair. That's fair. I got to Google what that means. I think I've seen the movie with Danny DeVito from back in the 90s. Anyway, boldest <laughs> prediction for the rest of the college football season.
2: Oldest prediction for the rest of the college football season. I said earlier, my bold prediction before the season was that there would not only be not an undefeated SEC champion, that the SEC champion would have two losses. I'm finding it hard to believe that Alabama is going to lose once, let alone twice, with the schedule that remains for them. So um, that was kind of out. I would say, hmm, I don't know, like SEC schedule or everybody?
0: Everybody, everybody. Just say Ohio State's I'm gonna not going to make the, the playoff.
2: I, I'm. At, well, I was going to say Clemson's not going to make the playoff. So I'm going to. I'm going uh, to. That's, that's pretty. Uh, pretty far out there. I'm going to go. Clemson
0: misses the playoffs this year. All right. Two more questions. Two more questions. More likely to happen. My gluttonous fat ass gets a six pack, or Kirby Smart plays the right quarterback. You've already kind of answered it, but I wanted to circle back.
2: Well, you're never going to have a six-pack, first of all. I hate to throw shade on your, your goals and dreams, but that's not going to happen. Uh, so I guess it would obviously be that he's going to play the right quarterback, even though I already believe he is. So that, that's
0: an easy answer okay. for me, in fact. Well, you're wrong about both, and I had one for one day in 2006, so there's that. Um, I had food poisoning. So, all right, this was, is this was something we talked about off-air. we got to talk about it again. Best <laughs> – just ear it if you if you are at the faint of heart. Best strip club anthem CD.
2: Best, well, you know, here's the thing that I think is, is great. Universally, when you hear them start revving up the motorcycle, you know what's coming, you know, little Motley <laughs> Crew. I mean, the, Girls, Girls, Girls is like the, 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 the most used song at any strip club nationally, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, so you said you said Girls, 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 which I, which I happen to love because I'm a, I'm a stone's throw from Tattletales, which is mentioned in the actual song, and I dated one of the cocktail servers, which is not a stripper. It's a cocktail server. It's totally different. So, I agree with you, oh, yeah. but I still think what I would like to, <laughs> which I would like to change moving forward is the strip club anthem, especially this weekend in Gainesville, I'm hoping, is Trask and TDs. That's all. I'm just going to say it. Regardless, City, <sighs> let me add this up right now. You scored, I mean, I took off some points for the name-calling and shaming. Um, 69 points. That's still not bad. It's a good score. It's pretty nice.
2: Well, I, I appreciate that. And I don't want to, you know, I, I, I want to be a supportive friend, a guy that encourages, and I'm sorry I, I, I defaulted to negative today. Uh, so I'd like to, if, you know, if you want to talk off air, I'll try to be more more kind and, and empathetic to your situation and your weaknesses.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I, honestly, I do. I do. I appreciate it. Now it's 68 points, so <laughs> there you go. Let's go before you lose any more. Uh, CD, it's it's always a pleasure, man. You're the best. I appreciate all that you've uh Help us out with and, and thank you for coming on, man. Absolutely, absolutely appreciate it, yeah. CD. Always we'll, fun, man. Uh, we'll, Thanks we'll for having t- me,
2: man.
0: <laughs> yep, we'll talk yeah, soon, yeah. man.
2: Keep up the good work. Talk to you soon. You bye too. Bye. Take care.
1: Fourth and wrong. This is Bagman edition. Yeah, mailbag. Everybody kind of does like mailbag thing. I get it. This is college football. This Bagman. Yeah. All right. Thank you to Jay Woody for putting this together for us. Um, so. We have questions that were submitted to us via the Facebook group. Um, If you have not joined the Saturday Down South podcast Facebook group, you should definitely go do that right now. Um, So we have this first question from Michael Spencer Bilby. He wants to know, what costume should Dan Mullen wear to his next press conference? What if this was a thing that Dan Mullen just did?
0: It would make more sense than what he did last week.
1: I mean, actually I, I thought that it fit pretty well, all things considered. As weird as it was, I mean he was kind of like Darth Vader on that day. I think he needs to go along the same lines. Now if it depends on if you win. If you yeah. win this weekend, I'm thinking Stone Cold. I'm thinking oh. I'm thinking you need to go that route. You've already kind of embraced this WWE character and you've you've tried to 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 kind of, you know, build yourself into this hype man. I'm not saying that he should come out and do the two-beer salute, but yeah. I'm not not saying that he should do that as well.
0: I – so what I would like to see from him is, like, um, he's he's too tall for this, and he's not built like Danny DeVito. Um, but the fat boss from Space Jam that always had the cigar in his mouth – and here's why. Okay. He, like, again, he's too tall. But if he came out with, like – you know, I used to do this making fun of people – um, like, but like if you like put just like your knees inside of your, like the soles of your shoes and just kind of like, you know, waddle around so you look like you're shorter, do that. But here's why. Because that guy always had a cigar in his hand, right? And was kind of an a-hole. My favorite clip of Mullen ever, 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 is when they won the Egg Bowl and they were asking about him recruiting Nick Fitzgerald. And he said, oh, where did I get him? Or who did we get them over? It was over UT Chattanooga. And then took a, a deep, deep puff of that cigar. If he wins this Saturday, um, which, you know, very well could happen, but if he wins this Saturday, man, uh, like, <sighs> that, that that whole thing, especially doing that with, like, Kyle Trask as your starting quarterback, would just be so spot on. And it wouldn't be much like the, the owner of the Monstars because he had to steal the actual souls or whatever of, like, actual great NBA players. But it would be hilarious, and, and I would love to see it.
1: I think that'd be perfectly fine yeah. to do that. All um, right, next a, one? Oh, Yeah, t- Tucker Medlin. Yeah, uh, Is Mike Leach going to be able to have success in the SEC? And if so, how long will it take? Okay. Here's the thing. This year is a disaster. It's a throwaway. Yeah, I, I think if you are a Mississippi State fan holding on to any sort of hope that this year is going to turn it around, I just think that's unrealistic. I think what's more realistic is that... You try and look at the younger pieces that they're being worked in and just say, all right, are these guys going to be long-term fits? Mike Leach's year one is always a disaster. It just is. And the fact that it's a conference-only schedule has magnified this, of course. There's no doubt in my mind. I still kind of sort of think that once Leach gets his personnel in there, and that means an offensive line that can actually pass block, that means having receivers who know how to settle into zones. I think this thing will work, maybe not like, Reinvent the SEC the way that we're maybe talking about after the LSU game. I still am a little bit more optimistic on this, and I've been critical. I've been really critical of Mike Leach, and I, I think it's frustrating that he's not willing to to have more of some some wiggle room in year one just to be able to win some games because he's so through and true to his process. Kylan Hill opting out, declaring for the NFL yeah. draft, by the way, which I guess not declaring, but starting to train for the NFL draft. I, I think that you just got to be. Fully understanding that you're going to take it on the
0: chin, you're one. That, yeah. that is reality, and there's really no way around it at this point. Um, yeah, so, and here's the thing. I think that they'll have – I said this before, at the beginning of the season, and I, I think it really played out to be pretty fairly true. This wasn't going to work right off the bat, but Mississippi State was going to jump up and get somebody, and, and somebody they shouldn't have gotten. Like, and it was, it might have just been Mississippi State in week one, and maybe that was the end of the whole year. <laughs> like, maybe that was just, yeah. like, maybe that was it. That was all they were going to be able to do. And that's fine, because like you said, like, the year one's usually a disaster, just, like, kind of looking off the track record for Mike Leach. I said this to you a couple years ago when we were all excited, or you were all excited about Joe Moorhead. Mississippi State is Mississippi State. Mississippi State is, and I'm not trying to say this to hate on, on Mississippi State. I think that he will take their program to higher places than it was necessarily with with Moorhead, not, no offense, but, like, Mississippi State is South Carolina from the from the West. There's a ceiling over that program of around eight wins, and it always has been, I, and I, I think, in my opinion, always will be. My biggest concern for Mike Leach is not whether or not he will be able to compete in the SEC. My biggest concern is how he's going to compete for recruits in his own state because if, if you look at where this is trending right now, man, Lane Kiffin looks like a much more desirable coach to go play for than Coach Leach, and which is kind of odd. Like I think he's going to have to do a really good job of selling that program all over again to everybody because, you know, if <laughs> like, like if they could have pulled up Wisconsin, where you play week one and the rest of the season was canceled, that would have been ideal for Mississippi state because now we've what seen, what's, well, yeah, like, I mean, because we, we've seen what's really happened. And, and, and at every turn, Lane Kiffin just seems to get better and better press for himself and that program. So I, I just, I wonder how that's going to look on a recruiting battle because I mean, answer this question for me, Connor, you're, you're a high school recruit. You're a quarterback. You're a, Defender, you're, you don't say defender, whatever, because it, so it's not like you have to make the decision based off of which coach you'd rather play for, like from for that position. But a defender, where you know that they're not going to be overseeing, you know, much of your position group or anything like that, you get Mike Leach and you get Lane Kiffin to come sit in your home, talk to you and your family, and, and recruit you personally. Who who seems like a guy you'd rather play for?
1: Well, I think that. So if I'm a defender, if I'm a defensive
0: player, yeah.
1: I mean. I think the idea of playing for Zach Arnett looks pretty fun.
0: Okay, again, we're. Oh, I'm just talking about Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin. Stop doing this base off of. The, I tried to say defender, so you wouldn't bring in all the extra stuff into it. Say quarterback right. then. How about that? Don't say quarterback because you're gonna oh. overthink that too. Just now. Okay. If,
1: if I'm a quarterback, I'm going to play for for Lane Kiffin at this point. There's, okay.
0: What if you're just a be, student to go to the games and enjoy yourself? How about that? See, <laughs> see how much I can I can dull this down.
1: I, well, I, I mean, because I think I think it's different. I think. They they tend to play for, you know, for for coordinators and, and stuff like that as well. But you're right. I mean, this is just such a a frustrating year for yeah. in terms of like the recruiting base and being able to do that. And I think that that's that's the more the more telling thing is like you see what happened with Kylin Hill. Like how's yeah. how's he going to recruit running backs to be able to go play for that system? I, I get it. You're trying to do different things, and you're saying, look, we're we're okay cleaning house in year one, and that was inevitable. And it's a different right. style. It was always going to be like that, but man, it, it's it's cutthroat. It's cutthroat. And you can't yeah. get away with not having top fifty recruiting classes. And this is you know Washington State all over again, right? Or something like that.
0: Well, and that's a that's a big part of it because there's not there's not a program when you're when you have the luxury of playing at a place like even Texas Tech, which I know is in Texas, but still it's Texas Tech. You have that, and you have Washington State where. You know, for, for eight months out of the season, you can, not maybe maybe not eight, but, but six at least, you can kind of fly under the radar, and people don't really care about what's going on. In the SEC, like, we are so unhealthy down here, in, in not just with what we put into our bodies, but what we consume as fans, like, it, it's, it's like, it doesn't slow down. There's not an off season. Like, I mean, what, June? And that's usually reserved for college, college baseball to get through to, like, you know, bridge the gap to, to from spring practice to what do you call it, uh, fall camp. So he's not going to be able to hide away from the 24-7, 365 type of, you know, not I want to say scrutiny because it's a keep there's a word that keeps popping up in my head, but I mean coverage or attention, and and I don't know if he's necessarily built for that.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll oh. be very interesting. Right. Hey, we only got two questions for uh, yeah. fourth or wrong <laughs> bagman edition. So everybody, Thanks a lot, uh, guys. Yeah, I mean, geez, lack What did we do to uh, you? Yeah, no, we usually get like 50 or something like that. There must have been something in the Facebook algorithm or something like that. But that's totally fine. We take the two best and give us questions do No, don't, don't
0: try week. to blame it on the Facebook. Here's the deal, guys. All I want to do is answer your questions. And I want you to want this sh- it too. All right, that was my Kirby again.
1: That was your Kirby. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Oh my
0: God, man. <laughs>
1: Make sure you're following all things SDS on social media. This is the perfect, perfect time to be following the college football website. I mean, it seems like we're dealing with breaking news in such a different way this year, where, you know, if you're not following that stuff on Wednesday night, you're not going to see that Trevor Lawrence tested positive for COVID. That's the type of stuff where you got it set up for alerts on your phone or something like that. You should totally do that. Hop on over to SaturdayDownSouth.com and get all of your coverage, not just in the SEC, but across college football. Because yeah. pretty soon, pretty soon, I know it's a crazy thought, we're gonna have playoff shows coming up as well. going yeah. we get to get into fights about that Ooh. now.
0: Yeah, I just, I just look at CNN right now, and they just said with, with 15 percent of the ballots in, they can project Mac Jones is just one. Of the items, like one of the oh, interesting. interesting, very interesting.
1: So make sure you do all of those things. It's going to be a good weekend. Four games is
0: better than five. Four games is yeah. better. Than five. Just keep going yourself. Marler, what do we need to remember? don't want to eat, Connor. God dang it. How many times I got to say it? It might eat too much. Talk to you guys soon.